We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online, the fastest, easiest, and safest way to bet on all things sports. With March Madness, the Masters, and Major League Opening Day right around the corner, Bet Online has the latest scores, news, and odds to help you win big. The best part? You'll receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Head over to betonline.ag, use our promo code BLUEWIRE to retrieve your literal free money. Plus, signing up is a great way to support the podcast you're listening to in your ears right now. Again, that's promo code BLUEWIRE. All one word when you sign up at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbooks experts. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. And this episode is brought to you by betonline.ag. But, Jack, how are we doing? You know that uh, meme, Nick? Ah, shit, here we go again. That's been the Nets for the past two months. Yeah, <laughs> it's been rough. Tonight was a really rough loss. Just when you thought maybe the Nets could squeeze out a comeback and win this game, Spencer did when he throws the ball out of bounds. You know, obviously he didn't do it purposely, but Nets take the L in Miami, 113-116. Before we get started, though, quick reminder, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, otgbasketball.com, netsrepublic.com, and Blue Wire Pods. But, Jack, where do we want to start? Um, let's go with the ending, Nick, because I think the ending is is the stuff that really mattered because I we, we spoke about it a little bit before we just started recording. This Nets team just doesn't have a fluidity, a composure, a creativity, a an instinctual nature that the that good teams have. Not great teams, good teams have. They can go, all right, this isn't happening. I can't get this play. Let's see if I can create something myself. Basketball is a sport where you need to be able to think on the fly, be flexible, be creative, and just roll with the punches in ways. All sport is in some form or another. But I think basketball more than any other. The Miami Heat are a great defensive team. They're going to take away what you want to do more times than not. 
So you need to have backup plans, backup plans, backup plans, or just be able to play and, and do what the game is giving you. And I think the Nets haven't been able to do that, especially in the absence of Kyrie Irving um, for the last you know few months, few weeks, whenever he's been out, it's sort of just been like, oh, this is my role. I need to be on this spot on the floor. I need to hit the three. I need to drive. I need to do this. It's just like play basketball sometimes. Um, it's It's just a little bit frustrating. Yeah, I think for a team that's been in so many close games, you'd expect more experience and just like what to do in that situation. Even like a few plays before, before Dragic hit that dagger or what seemed like a dagger and put the heat up 114-110, the Nets used 21 seconds of the shot clock. When they're down in this game, instead of trying to push the pace and get a shot, it's just like they don't have the aggression that you need. And like you said, they're just almost waiting for things to happen in the clutch where you need to make it. And talking about that Dinwiddie possession, you know, like I had a feeling they were going to try to go to Joe Harris because he already hit that big three. Miami obviously felt that way. They took him away right away. But instead of, like you mentioned, having a backup plan or maybe an outlet where Torian Prince is open or you have Jared Allen or Karis LeVert making a cut to the rim, you don't have any backup plan. The next thing you know, it's Spencer doing three seconds left on the clock. He really had nowhere to go, and everything's just kind of dismantled, and that's the game. It's it's weird because Spencer Dimity is a very smart basketball player. Play, people make mistakes. He knows what he was trying to do there. He was trying to kick it out to Wilson Chandler. Wilson Chandler take the shot. But the same sort of thing happened in the possession before where he kicked it to Torian Prince. And it's just like, Spencer, you're the leader of this team. You take those shots. You drive. You try and get to the line. You go to the line 10 times. You hit nine of them. Let's play some simple basketball that you know that you're good at or, you know, create a shot for yourself. You know, obviously he hasn't been, he's been pretty terrible in the clutch. We've spoken about that on previous episodes, but I think Spencer needs to be a little bit smarter and and just be a bit more composed. But, you know, mistakes happen. This game is, is unforgiving in many ways. You know, we didn't uh, do a podcast after the disgusting 141 points that we gave up to the Atlanta Hawks. I think it's the first time in like decades and decades since the Nets gave up a, a score that high to an opponent, let alone a team of the Atlanta Hawks ilk. So, yeah, the Nets are just, uh, I don't know, it feels like a malaise of a season in a lot of ways, Nick. And there's just sort of just chugging along until, you know, April comes around and then, you know, you move on to next season and that's where the real stuff kicks in. But these games still matter. Basketball still matters. And, you know, I think where I, I put out some like questions on Twitter in terms of what do we focus on for this season? Does it matter to make the playoffs? We can chat about those questions, I guess. But this game alone, it just seemed to me that Spencer needed to be better. And it kind of reminded me of, it made me think, Nick, of the Sacramento Kings game last season where Rondé was supposed to get that ball to D'Angelo Russell and he couldn't. And instead he drives to the rim and he creates the game-winning shot and the game-winning basket. It's just like, I'm not saying Rondé Hollis Jefferson would save this team, but that savviness is what the Nets need. And that's not Rondé's going to bring that and you know make game-winning plays against the Miami Heat, but just need to be smarter yeah you need to make things especially in the clutch like we've talked about like things just aren't going to pop up teams are going to play their best defense or best basketball and they're going to try to take away what you want to do and like you mentioned you know i would have rather seen spence try to pull up from three right there and shoot a contested shot instead of throwing it to wilson chandler who would probably shoot it from the elbow and miss you know it's just like i'd rather see him put it up and we have a chance to make it even though he has been great in clutch just there's just so many issues and i think this game, yeah, the Nets got it close in two, but there were so many areas where they consistently just made the same mistakes over and over again in this game, and they're the same mistakes we've pretty much seen all season. You know, missing box outs, defensive miscommunifications, you know, stupid turnovers. They were pretty good with the ball tonight, but it's just these same mistakes that just get repetitive across the season, and you expect them to get better in these areas, and they just still haven't in some of them. It's the definition of insanity, Nick. <laughs> Producing the exact same thing over and over again and expecting a different result, and I think when you have 
this roster at your disposal and whatever you get out there and you're, you're throwing out the same things, nothing is necessarily changing. You know, the same guys are getting similar minutes, same guys having sort of similar roles for the most part. What is going to change? You know, I thought that the Nets were competitive enough tonight. I, I was, I was, you know, watching consistently. I was also doing a little bit of planning for JVT later today as well. But I sort of just had it on. I'm like, you know, the Nets are going to stay in this one. And, you know, they might have a chance late if they can execute. But my confidence in that, you know, if we had a Kyrie Irving out there for the last couple of possessions, it would have been a lot higher than it would have been if, with Spencer Dinwiddie, Carol Savert, these sort of guys who have struggled in the clutch. You know, Spencer Dinwiddie, the stats we spoke about on the previous episode, Carol Savert's been a little bit better. Yeah, the coaching from, from Kenny um, remains to be, you know, iffy uh, in a lot of occasions. I know a lot of Nets Twitter is against what any, anything that Kenny does, but he hasn't been the worst coach in the league, but he hasn't been the best either. Um, and when... We're going to be challenging for a championship next year. You need to have a very, very good coach. And you know, Kenny has the potential to be one, but he needs to be able to prove himself on that stage. Yeah, I think one of my concerns is that second unit. Like, it's just the same thing every night, and there's just not enough offense out there. You know, you have TLC, you have Wilson Chandler, you have Garrett Temple, you have DeAndre Jordan. Sometimes you have Rodions, and then you kind of expect Karis LeVert to do it all. And I don't think he's that caliber of a player yet. And also, I don't think he's... The he's he can be your number one ball handler out there, but he definitely needs a secondary creator, and I don't think that second unit supplies that. You know, Garrett Temple can do it maybe a touch, but I think there's just not enough offense, and things just get so stale for that second unit if they're not creating turnovers and getting transition buckets. Nick, we've spoken about trades and the like. I think that we could, you know, it's not necessarily the, the biggest thing to speak about this game because, it, you know, it's the sort of same old thing. We saw, you know, Joe Harris have a really nice night from the field. Jared Allen stepped up and, and was a lot better than he has been in previous occasions uh, in that matchup against Bam Adebayo. He always seems to step up a little bit there. Spencer was really good. Karras was serviceable. Torian Prince was waning again. You know, Wilson Chandler, I thought, was nice. Redams Crooks got some minutes, didn't really do much. DeAndre Jordan got some minutes and got some boards. That's about it. You know, Garrett Temple had somewhat of an impact and TLC was was feisty. Essentially, you could copy and paste that for a lot of games and performances this season. Did you want to speak about more about this game before? You know, I throw a few questions at you that have sort of been reverberating around the uh, the Nets Twitter sphere. Yeah, I would just say about this game and the games like the past games is just you know kind of apparent at times that the Nets probably just don't have enough talent where they need X amount of players to perform at a starter level and they're just not getting that or and then the bench unit's not even performing at a bench level or whatever it may be. It's like one night one guy stepping up and one night the other guy's not stepping up. It's like you can't get the combined performances across the board. Yeah, I mean, the, the next man up mentality has sort of always been the mantra in, in Brooklyn land, but you know they nece haven't necessarily done that. They've, they've stepped up in terms of they've been able to perform capably, but we need players when we have our superstars out to perform above their level, you know, consistently. You know, guys, we need a, a collective of guys stepping up rather than sort of, you know, leaving it to Spencer and Karras every night and then maybe one of Joe Harris and Toy and Prince and maybe a serviceable bench performance from someone. You know, it's not enough, and it's not it's not going to be enough against a team like the Miami Heat, who have been struggling a little bit of late, but are still a top-four team in the Eastern Conference. So, yeah, for me, I put out probably a little bit haphazardly about Wilson Chandler's performance tonight, and I thought it was quite good, and I think it could be a serviceable contributor, you know, on at the end of the bench for the Nets. But at the end of the day, I think there's going to be probably some wholesale changes if we know that Kevin Durant's going to be healthy, if we know that Kyrie Irving has a healthy shoulder, still no word on the surgery there yet. But in that regard, Nick, who do you think, 
Who do you want? And I'll go, you, do you personally, who do you think would have the most value for this team next year when Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are back? And who do you want to keep the most? I mean, maybe those questions are the same thing, but yeah. Just going through everybody, Jack, or you want to go like player versus player or... I think it's essentially the, the sort of big three for, in terms of what we have currently. Jared Allen, Spencer Denby, Karis LeVert. Those guys all have trade value. Those guys are all important and contribute to this team in, in different ways and all would have you know a, a trade value to other teams in some sort of package for, for guys that we've spoken about before. So we don't need to speak about those trade packages. Check previous episodes for that and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, all the rest of the places. But in terms of the players themselves, Nick, that we've sort of been watching consistently ever since we sort of started this this podcast, it's been Jared Allen. We've seen the growth of him. It's been Spencer Dinwiddie. We've seen the rise of him from the G League ranks and from a G League G League rank discard to Karis Levert. You know, being able to you know fight through some pretty disastrous injuries to be you know what he is today and hopefully be even more serviceable for the rest of the season. Those guys, those sort of mini young big three in terms of the core. The third guy on this team, and the, or the third and or fourth guy on this team, who do you think provides the most value in a championship setting alongside KD and Kyrie if the Nets want to be there, or if, if the Nets can be there? Yeah, I mean, I think based off of what we've probably seen so far, I think it's hard not to go with Spencer Dinwiddie because I think he's proven the most out of the bunch. Where you, you know, there might be questions, can he play with Kyrie, can he play with KD? Well, I don't think it's a huge deal because he can still be that six man for you. And we know he can do that in elite level. You know, Karis Avert, I think the biggest concern for him, as much as I love him, is the injury concern. You know, he's really good when he can consistently play, but he's already dealing with another injury right now. And you could pr- pretty much tell that was hampering shooting tonight. Then Jared Allen, I don't think bigs are the most important thing, especially for championship teams, especially if you have a guy like DeAndre Jordan, who's not, you know, Jared Allen's probably a better player, but they do similar things. And I think you could find a serviceable big a serviceable big on the low. So I think Spencer Dinwiddie might be your guy. But then you're looking at the contract situation that's expiring. So it's just so many different factors when you look at this. And I think one of the most important things is what do other teams value? Who are they looking at? I think, you know, Jared Allen's probably going to have a lot of value because of his contract situation. But then again, you know, you make an argument, Karras and Spencer both have higher ceilings and have proven they can do more in a team without someone else setting them up, which Jared is kind of dependent on a playmaker. Yeah, and, and I think as well, you know, Torian Prince got that two years sort of signing and, and extension. All I'd be these open guys, to him for sure. <laughs> I mean, I think every single Nets fan probably would be. But in that sense, every single player on this roster right now is a trade asset in some form or another. It depends on the team. It depends on the package. It depends on the player in return. But I would probably agree with you, Nick. I'd probably say Spencer Dinwiddie as well. Karis Devert, when he's playing, you know, disgustingly good defense, makes me go, oh, man, Karis Devert, if he can bring that as a defensive stopper and get, like, steals and steals and steals, like a Jimmy Butler, Ben Simmons type, man, that'd be good next to Kyrie Irving. And they have, they, in the early points of the season, they had, they were okay, but it was also on the offensive side of the ball. It was sort of like a my turn, your turn thing. There wasn't necessarily as much synergy and cohesion alongside it. You know, I, I think... a. I compare to the Los Angeles Clippers this season, and I think Spencer Dinwiddie can essentially be like a Lou Williams type for the Nets. You know, be a, an amazing scorer, amazing six man, play actually a, some better defense where he's not actually sort of waning, and you have to chuck him out of the of the lineup in, in the closing points of the game because he's a defensive liability. I think Spencer Dinwiddie can play serviceable defense. We've seen it time and time again. He was guarding Jimmy Butler at times tonight, so I think Spencer Dinwiddie can be that, and I think Jared Allen can be a 
an upgraded version of a Vika, of a Vika Zubac. I know probably Doc Rivers has very, very little trust in him, in Zubac that is. Whereas I think Kenny has a little bit more trust in, in Jared Allen, probably more than Nets fans do in general. But, and, you know, I think we don't necessarily, if you want to call DJ Montrose Howell, I don't necessarily think he's at that capabilities uh, at all. But just sort of thinking about championship contenders right now in terms of their composition. And, you know, you look at the, the Lakers in terms of the two centers that they have, their center, their center, you know, joy doesn't necessarily matter because they have Anthony Davis playing power forward. Could Kevin Durant play some five? I'm not, not, not 100% sure how much I would like to do that. Do the Nets get an Aaron Gordon who can play some small ball five? There's lots of things to think about, but I, I guess it's just focusing on this team right now. Yeah, I would say the one guy that you probably want to keep and re-sign is Joe Harris because I think he's going to complement whatever you know set of players you have. And I don't think like his value is going to be crazy high in a trade where you're going to get something back that's going to probably benefit you more. The number one thing you want when you have players who are going to attract a ton of attention is you know an elite floor spacer, and Joe's proven he can do that. Yeah, and he was playing some good defense tonight as well, you know, earning some offensive fouls off of Jimmy Butler and stuff. I think, you know, we've said it time and time again, the effort that he brings on that floor makes up for the lack of athleticism that he doesn't necessarily have. And yeah, I think Joe Harris outside of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving may be the most important player on the Nets roster. I mean, Spencer Dinwiddie and or Carol Savert and or Jared Allen, you can make an argument for them. But in terms of the consistency that you get out of Joe Harris and, you know, the, the, the floor spacing that he will get when Kyrie Irving and, and Kevin Durant are back, you know, those guys draw a ridiculous amount of gravity. And I think it opens up the, the floor for a Joe Harris, you know, Torian Prince has been, I think it was our guy, Nolan Jensen put on Twitter. He's been shooting like 32% from three over the past couple of months, which is disgusting. It's bad. And it's his main skill on the offensive end. That's what we got him in for to be a three and D guy. And he's not doing either of them. Whereas, Joe Harris is at least still maintaining his consistency from being one of the best three-point shooters from last year, bringing it into this year, another good night tonight. So Joe Harris certainly has a role on, on a championship team if the Brooklyn Nets are to be that next year. And, you know, I think it's music to my ears. And uh, I'll be certainly uh, putting that on the OnlyFans when he gets the <laughs> the max contract offer from Mr. Joseph Sy and he's rolling in the money. I'll uh, have to find out where he buys the new penthouse out in Brooklyn probably some he'll probably like buy he'll, he'll build he seems like the guy that would build like a tiny house those like you know <laughs> old sustainable homes from like old coffee cups and shit but uh my, 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 my boy joe buckets uh if he's not on the nets for for the long term then uh we might have to stop this podcast i think uh like what joe harris will benefit from is he'll be asked to do a lot less moving forward where i think right now you know he had a good game tonight but i think on nights they do ask him to do too much where yeah. when you add a Kyrie and a KD and, you know, between who you keep in Spencer and Karras or even you keep both of them, you know, you're moving Joe more down to being your fourth or fifth starter, even one of your first guys off the bench, where now his life just got incredibly more uh, efficient. You know what I mean? Yeah, he can go yeah. back to being one of these guys where he's just not asked to do a ton. Even last year's team, you know, there was consistently creation from him between, you know, D'Angelo Russell, Spencer Dinwiddie, and Karis Avert when he was out there. And I think D'Lo also helped Joe a lot last season. So getting a guy like Kay uh, Kyrie and Katie back will be huge. Yeah, it'd be absolutely massive. I guess the sort of question I wanted to sort of end with, Nick, is Right now, the Nets are a 7th or 8th seed at best. They're going to get bounced in the playoffs by an incredibly superior team in a Boston Celtics, Toronto Raptors, Milwaukee Bucks. You know, we might steal a game if that. I don't feel necessarily confident in terms of how well those teams are playing and how poorly we are right now. 
Does it make sense for the Nets to sort of tank these last 25 games? Yeah, I just don't think you'd intentionally try to lose games when what you're trying to achieve next season. You know, it's just not necessarily the best thing to do. And I think, like, you still want to practice championship habits because I think so many players on the team already lack that. They lack the habits to win games late, you know, get this late game experience and do what you need to do. And, you know, the only thing they could try to do is develop young talent. But I don't think there's really, other than maybe Nick Claxton, I don't think there's a ton of young talent on this team that's going to be the difference for next season. We kind of talked about they're going to be trying to probably make a splash trade or add some veterans or some friends of the big names on the team. So, I don't know if you would ever really try to go the route of intentionally losing. I think you'd be better off maybe if you're like, all right, we need to get minutes for Claxton. We need to get minutes for Rodions. We need to see if these guys can play a role on our team next year. But I don't think you're intentionally trying to miss the playoffs. Yeah, that's fair. That's that's totally fair. But in in in, in an ideal world, Nick, isn't it better for the Nets to not make the playoffs and get their own pick back? And if we you spoke about those splashy trades, we've spoken about those splashy, flashy trades, and they have another asset in a first-round pick that you can add in a deal that could offset having to add in a Spencer Dimity or a Rodion's Courts or whoever it might be, and instead you just chuck in a pick. Would that not be a more ideal future for this team in terms of wanting to package and get certain guys and, and offload certain guys i'm, I'm playing devil's advocate yeah yeah no it would but you'd have to land you'd have to win the lottery like i don't think the 13th or 14th pick is carrying the same value as karis of order spencer at least in this draft you know what i mean like i think you'd still need to win the lottery i mean you can make an argument that it would help but then also what value is what negative effect is it having on the encore product or the development of guys if you're viewing it from that perspective obviously everyone has their own opinion but it seems like the nets have really tried to push culture obviously the season hasn't gone the way they've hoped but i think it would probably look bad for them if all this happens and they don't make the playoffs i don't i don't think it's the end of the world like you know the the media would probably make it out to be but i think there'd probably be a little bit of backlash yeah, I mean, I probably would as well. I I, can, I think I can see it as, as holistically as possible because I don't necessarily... I think neither is have really going to be gonna, pretty bad too. Yeah, I mean, the Washington Wizards... I mean, Bradley Beal has been playing out of his mind and he's barely like lifting his team. They're still around the mark. And I think they're the only real challenge of maybe the Bulls if they can fire Boylan by the end of the <laughs> season. I don't know. But in that sort of sense, I think looking at both scenarios in terms of how much it's going to move the needle in terms of championship contention for 2021. And I don't think either, I mean, the playoff, the, the, the not making the playoffs and getting, lucking out and getting a, a top five pick in the lottery is the best scenario, but the odds of that are happening are very, very low, despite the fact that the lottery odds have been flattened. And we see we saw the New Orleans Pelicans snag a nice little pick, the Memphis Grizzlies snag a nice little pick that they probably, you know, and the New York Knicks did drop, despite the fact that they actively tanked last season. So for me, I mean, you think of it in a hypothetical world, but we don't live in a hypothetical world. I mean, we do when we're speaking about things on podcasts, but in that sort of sense, I'm not sure... I mean, it does move the needle ever so slightly, but the likelihood of it actually happening in the first place to move that needle at all is is pretty damn low. Yeah, I mean, also the Nets are probably one injury away from probably missing the playoffs. You know right. what I mean? If someone were to miss 10 to 15 games out of you know one of the bigger players in the team, they could you know end up losing a lot of those games. They're obviously not playing well right now, and that could kind of be the nail in the coffin. I feel like you can sense a little bit of a morale decline 
after the announcement of the Kyrie injury. Obviously, they had some close games, but I think losing all these close games and knowing if maybe you had that elite playmaker, that elite scorer in Kyrie there, that you'd be winning these games, it kind of probably takes a little bit of the soul out of the Nets team. Do you think Carlos Levert plays the next game, Nick? You know, he was a game-time decision today with that. I was surprised he played today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back-to-back as well. Yeah, so, I mean, I think he'll probably play the next game then. If he played today, uh, someone on Twitter mentioned that they thought that he just hit his hand on the backboard, so maybe just like a sore hand, but his jumper did not look sweet tonight. (laughs) No, it did not. One of six from three. Six to 17 from the field isn't too bad, but... Yeah, he's he's normally, uh, in terms of his fluidity and his composure and his execution, he's been really good from the three-point line over this sort of mini stretch. He's been probably one of the Nets' best players, if not the best player, alongside Spencer Dinwiddie. But any other things you want to touch on, Nick? I think these are questions that are fluid and will probably be addressing going forward because, you know, unless there are some outstanding Nets performances from individual players or whatever, it's hard to sort of dissect the the games when it's the same thing day in, day out. Yeah, I mean, it. They, they obviously need to make some type of splash before the next game Tuesday against Boston. Maybe that's a major scheme adjustment or something offensively or making more of an effort to push the ball. Or maybe it's playing some more young guys and trying to get Nick Claxton out there. I think at this point you need to spice it up somehow because you're just going to keep losing games and just having the same results like we've talked about. Yeah, it's the definition of insanity, but uh, you know we, we keep repeating ourselves and we keep doing this podcast, so maybe we're insane as well, Nick. Yeah, maybe, but as always, a pleasure, Jack. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, otgbasketball.com, netsrepublic.com, and Blue Wire Pods. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.